This episode is brought to you by our friends at FB Autosport. There's nothing worse than spending your race weekend under your car missing sessions because you were too swamped to get everything done in time. Whether it's car prep, new car builds, or arrive and drive, FB Autosport has you covered for Time Attack, GLTC, or WRL. They even have cars you can rent now while you put the finishing touches on your latest race car project. Reach out to Rob at FB Autosport now and tell him that Slip Angle sent you to get your project car finished and get back on track. Welcome everybody to Slip Angle Show. This is episode number eight, eight, nine, something like that. Uh, it's been busy, and I think I've got two more planned for lunchtime today. I'm joined by Scott Malloy. Hello. David Calzada. Hello, hello. And Daniel Calzada. Hello. Uh, and these guys are running a new company uh, that yep. has been talked about on the show briefly, um, but has been under kind of like rapid development. Yep. So, uh, David, start by by talking to me about what the idea was initially and, and what kind of prompted you to take another uh, venture, uh, given that you already have one full-time job. Yeah, right. Two, two businesses is, is more work than one business. I will tell you that. Um, so most of your listeners, if they've listened for a while, have heard me talk about K-Power Industries. And then... Um, Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Huh? <laughs> and so earlier this, uh, well, 2022 now, it's a new year, but um, several months ago, um, my brother Daniel, who's sitting next to me, and our good friend Jeff and myself formed a new company called Firelapse, uh, firelapse.com, for those of you who are curious. And Firelapse is designed to make data analysis easy and attainable for just about anybody in motorsports. Uh, we initially um, built everything around AIM Sports hardware, and now we support various hardware. Uh, we support Apex Pro and VBox and Race Capture and all of those things. Um, what about MoTeC? MoTeC is on the way. It's wor- we're working on it. Gotcha. This so is the Tesla Tesla, tra- the yeah, Tesla yeah, one. Tesla that, that's pretty exciting. I, exactly. I'm, I'm really interested to see how that progresses. Yeah, and that was kind of cool. We had a customer just email us and say, hey, can you can you do it with the Tesla files? And Daniel's like, yeah. Yeah, it was just a CSV file. You put it, you pull in, parse the columns, and that's pretty much it. Oh, cool. See? So um, so if you go to, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. And if you go to firelapse.com, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. But the idea is easy upload of your data to Firelapse and then um, very easy data analytics where you can overlay all kinds of different information over Google Maps um, and see your driving line. You can uh, up, upload a graph, a speed trace, um, latitude, longitudinal Gs. You can see elevation change. You can create sectors, uh, just click two points on a track and see what the time differential is between the two uh, laps you're comparing. Um, we have a, a playback feature now where you can actually click and see little dots move across the track at, at, at the rate of speed they're going and see kind of what the difference is there. And then there's a whole social element too. So think of it almost as like Facebook for data where you can create a group like uh, or an event like we did for this weekend and people can log in and... Um, compare and contrast their laps with their friends and um, that's a whole element too and then probably most uh, most interest to people like Scott <laughs> is that we're really working on things and this is what's really come to be since I talked with Adam over the summer is the um, kind of the event organizer side and just making things very easy for somebody like Scott who's tasked with gathering 
data from racers and checking to be sure they're compliant and tracking to see who's got outlying rates of acceleration or outlying amounts of grip or whatever that may be. And so now you can, anybody can create a group and upload a bunch of laps. You could have 50 drivers and then create a comparison grid where you can just see all the information and look at outliers and even do a scatter plot with them and, and everything. So that's all part of the part of the deal now. So we've been very, very busy. And by we, I mean Daniel has been very, very busy. So, Well, uh, maybe let then start with the motivation. Like, uh, why do this? Why do this? Um, like K-Power, I felt like my approach to business has been uh, trying to fill a need that I find in the market. Obviously, I have a passion for motorsports. And this was just one of those things where I'm like, why doesn't this exist? Why why is the barrier to entry so high for people to really learn from their data? And um, I just felt like there had to have been a better way to do it. And then, um, you know, being related to somebody with extensive background uh, in this type of thing, um, it just kind of the pieces came together. Um, and, and a big thing, too, is in 2023, we will be really focusing on machine learning um, with all of this data and actually being able to give drivers coaching based on not only what, what, what we know from their driving, but what we know from everybody's driving. And so, like, why doesn't that exist to that level? I mean, everyone's got all of this data. Well, and Adam how and do I we... have, have talked at length um, that one of the, like, our mission statements in, in motorsports uh, on, on the grid life side is uh, we want all of our competitors to... Uh, be able to level up their own driving ability. Like mm-hmm. we, we would like, I think it would be attractive to have all of the grid life field be uh, one of the fastest fields in the country. I agree. Um, from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know dozens upon dozens of drivers that have high-end uh, data recording devices that use it for no function other than the display of a laptop. Yep. And that was a big, that was a big thing. I see all these people with all these AIM solos in their cars and they're looking at a lap time and maybe a predictive lap time, and they're just turning it on well, and driving. I don't bring a laptop to, you know, XYZ doesn't bring a laptop to the track. I look at it, you know, maybe, you know, after I get home from the event, but, like, I don't, I don't use it in real time because I don't want to mess with all that. Right. Yeah, but I think for people like me who are, you know, helping on the event organizer side and who do bring a laptop to the computer, to the, to the track and, you know, are tasked with, uh, making sure that parity is is uh, withheld within w- among a class, um, you know, I've taken multiple seminars on my own time to try to learn AIM software, and it's developed for a professional level motorsports engineer. It's not mm-hmm. developed for the average grassroots guy who is or gal who's going to bring their track out or their car out to the track and. Um, you know, want to improve session on session. Um, and I think that, you know, with devices like Apex Pro, you know, where they have their light system, things like that, and, you know, more easy data review, um, I think that there's also a need within the greater motorsports community of, you know, SCCA, of NASA, of, the, of these other organi- organizers to have tools to check parity without having to tear engines down and measure valves to make sure that spec Miata is not cheating. 
Um, you know, we, we have all these electronics. These systems are in every vehicle. So why, why would we go through the effort of not using the technology that we have available to us now to, to at least have another data point and another area to check for um, other than, you know, the mechanical aspect of the vehicle? And I understand that those series like Spec Miata, you know, there are, there are specific um, allowances within the rule set as far as valve size and stuff like that. So, of course, you're going to have to check those too. But... Um, I think that integrating the data into that uh, that equation just just elevates the experience and elevates your ability as a series to be able to. I think that's um, that's an interesting point um, because the data collection ability is is in essentially every car. Almost everyone has a yeah. device. Yeah. Exactly. And so what we lack was a way to integrate all that data and use it for something. So I did a recording with Jeff Brown, um, Adam and I did. We recorded with him for like three hours earlier this week. And we spent an entire episode talking about um, all of the fancy, fancy stuff that IMSA has to get real-time data on, on almost anything that can be measured on any race car throughout a weekend. Yeah. And uh, that's a really, really pro level. But what we're talking about here is... A, maybe an analogous system, but something more appropriate for our size and scale, and it doesn't have to be quite so sophisticated. Yeah, I don't think that we need to be uh, concerned about like overboost situations and stuff like like would need to be in an IMSA situation um, where you know we're not going to hand out penalties in the middle of a twenty minute race. You know, we're not going to make you pull down pit lane, um, but the ability to um, at least see anomalies on track um, and and have have the ability within the software to mark that anomaly um, or to um, have those you know have those cars that perform very well within a rule set um, you know have the data that that shows you know where they're accelerating better or where they're able to make grip, um, you know, and have those influence the rules so that it, it, it seems less arbitrary and it seems less uh, by emotion or feel um, um, well, is where is where I get really nerdy about it. And I and I feel that, you know, as as more of these series start to pop up, you know, we talked about WRL a lot. Um, this is a system that could easily integrate into what they do and, and help influence the classing structure of that without necessarily needing a team of engineers on, on their payroll or on their side of the series. Um, you know, the, the Daniel, ability to analyze is within the software. Daniel, I know David has uh, a, a decent background in motorsports. He's been living this for quite a while. Um, I'm not familiar with your car background, but... Uh, can you tell me like why this project might have interested you? Because I understand you had like a previous professional life, and this is like just this is a new project. Right. So, right, yeah. what um, you know, what's your technical skill set, and why is this an interesting problem? Good question for this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have very little background in 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 motorsports. In my current background is mostly all just from David here. Uh, go go going to the track with, 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 with him. I know that he's taken me on Gingerman a number of times and at Audubon. Um, and it, it, it seemed like a cool in, in, in industry, and I appreciate how passionate people are about it. 
Um, my, 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 my background is in data science and machine learning and AI and kind of that family of okay. work. Um, I haven't done this for motorsports yet. But the nice thing about that background is 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 that it's very flexible. Got it. Um, so just seeing a gap in what's currently out, out out there and seeing just a huge opportunity and a huge potential for there being so much more. Uh, like I really like to see when data can tell a story because I think that in every car, you know, if you're running an Apex Pro or an AIM device or Motec or something else, um, that you have. In the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in that car on that chip is a story that you can tell about what happened on, on on track, and that is a story that someone can use to learn from. So 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 it's really a big question of just how do you get that story and understand it yourself, and then how can you present Got that it. to 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 the user? And I think that's a huge. It's a huge gap, and it's a big challenge, and it's one that I think is a lot the, of The is gap of is funny, because I know even one of our fastest time attack competitors, uh, Ferris Khartoumi, mm-hmm. has a very sophisticated MoTeC uh, data collection system in his car, uh, but rarely, if ever, uses it um, like session to session, yep. because he's not um, particularly skilled in using the software, and it's not, it's not super intuitive. And so, like being able. I mean, to I would say it's not not that it's not super intuitive. It's not intuitive at all. It's well, you know, you're looking. So if if I could channel at, my you're acting, inner looking at squiggly lines instead depends of numbers, who you ask, I guess. right? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> if I would channel my my inner Andy Smetigard, he might say, "Well, it's easy once you learn how to do it." It's like, well, that's yeah. yes, yeah. that's true, but uh, it can be challenging to learn how to do it. Yeah, so, I feel like the learning curve is is quite steep. I mean, the the base knowledge of being able to see acceleration peaks and and G circles and stuff like that is one thing, but to then look at that software and understand how to pull time out of a lap um, is where I think the difficulty comes. And you know, without without the ability to compare against other vehicles or other drivers, or um, or you know, in the case of you know, let's talk about Andy Smedegard and what they've built with S two thousands. They have multiple drivers in essentially the same car. Um, uh, those data points become um, incredibly important and, and it makes it a lot easier when you know you have a Tomo or, and an Andy who are these alien type drivers that are able to get the most out of the car in the braking zone um, and now you have replica cars you know that you can go into a braking zone at you know minus 0.8 G's or you know or more um, and you have something to compare to and you can look at those peaks and valleys in the data points but if it's just you and your one car and and you don't have a lot of experience I think that's where a system like fire Labs comes in and fills a fills a void in the market um, as far as um, you know it has I mean how many thousands hundreds of thousands of laps have have you guys many, been able to aggregate into your system and many thousands yeah, so and, far yeah. And um, I think that I think that this system is um, what really is going to be unique as far as um, bringing it to an amateur level. So uh, when you recorded with Adam, I think mm-hmm. the website had just launched. Very yeah, with a month probably. And I, I think I had even, been yeah. like tinkering with it a little mm-hmm. bit, and yep. I was like, oh, this is neat. Yep. Um, it's been now how many months since you've launched? We launched end of June 2022. So okay. we are, you know, a good six, seven months in. Um, yeah, so it's been... 
And if this is something that David's been working on uh, essentially full time, Daniel, yeah, I'll get it. You sound like my mom, Daniel. uh, It's it's definitely happened before, and it's going to happen again. um, Like, what what have been the major uh, development milestones? Good question. So a big man. There's a lot. There's a lot of new features, but I would say the two biggest things. When I just take a step back as like a racer and not as the as a part owner or developer or whatever is uh, there's a feature called my fire laps that's been added and what that is is it's our first step into the machine learning realm uh, for this platform much much more will come in uh, this year in 2023 but what this does is you upload a session and within now within 10 or 15 seconds it used to take like 30 minutes and Daniel's figured out how to smooth this all out um, what the software will do is create two, three, or more what I'll call like a synthetic lap that basically takes everything you've done in that session, all of your limitations, your G-force limitations that you've set uh, for the car, and then creates kind of like a good, better, best scenario of areas where you can improve. So uh, unlike other types of products that will you know, kind of just cut up sectors and mm-hmm. say, oh, well, if you combine this sector with this sector, theoretically, you could go this fast. These are actually like manufactured laps that all string together that are not based on just chopping things up, but like looking at everything that you've just done and building these laps and it'll modify your driving line and your braking points well, and things like that. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the points of feedback that I've heard about chopping up sectors is that... Um, the challenge could be like, yeah, I suppose that's theoretical, but to execute the lap in yep. the way that's described you is like, can't. it's not it's actually not even possible, possible because your position on the circuit might be not appropriate right. to achieve that. Or it so, could put a sector break that's right in the middle of, of, of a turn. Yeah, and then exactly. how do you, well, so you can botch case, one sector. How do you, how do you mesh that together? How do you mesh that together? That's more of a question for Daniel, but I know that what we're not doing is, you know, cutting and pasting sections together. I mean, it's a, you know, it's it's all a lap that, you know, a, a robot theoretically could execute based on all of your limitations. It was interesting even just looking at some laps from Barber, just seeing, we were looking at turn five last night and uh, what people were kind of doing through five and six and like, yeah, it just wants you to kind of hug it Hug it tight, and if you go, do you track out? You lose a tenth or so. If you go, you know, kind of wide or on the exit, like stuff like that, mm-hmm. that it'll find, it'll kind of redraw the driving line and keep the same G-force limitations. So Daniel mm-hmm. maybe can explain because he's created all of this. Yeah, exactly. Um, the way that I'd put it is that it um, it creates an optimal blend. So 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 it's not just a black and white of choosing your best lap here and then your best lap. At, during another sector or okay. another turn, uh, but it finds a way to transition you from from, from one line to 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 another line, okay. and one set of speeds to 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 another speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that you're like here at Barbara on on on, on turn five, and and this is a, a good example because yeah, I was looking last night at our data set that we collected, and there was one lap in particular that was very very good, and we analyzed it with my fire laps, and it found an extra tenth of a second just coming out of turn five. Interesting. And um, what it did is it found one lap that was the second best lap in that session that did that part a bit better, um, where it may, it may have even gone a little bit, may have gone a bit slower, but it cut the exit of that and saved a total of like uh, like a total of 19 feet 
just in right, in, just in that one it. sector. Oh, and so it's saying that if you were to do that and then take the rest of your best lap, um, you would cut down an extra tenth of a second total. Wow. You know, my favorite one that we found so far is at Gingerman. Yeah. Coming out of turn 10. Don't track all the way out to the curbing. Just come oh. out of 10 straight through the middle of the track and you save like 60 feet of driving. No kidding. It's absurd, yeah. Just into 11. <laughs> like it wow. constantly is like get off of this curbing mm-hmm. like and i'm just like okay it seems counterintuitive but the distance thing is real yeah so right. but well, like that's if, what it's finding if you can shorten the distance without sa- sacrificing exactly. your ability exactly. to accelerate yep. then tracking out does not help you right exactly uh, uh, I, I suppose similarly you might say at 11 at gingerman um, often I see people come around uh, 11 mm-hmm. and they fully track out, mm-hmm. uh, but then they might move back to the middle of the track early before they start the cross the start finish line. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, there are extra feet there. And yeah, those if, feet cost. And if that's your flyer, if you got a those time attack car cost. that does two laps, you, you stay, you hug the guardrail basically. All the way down until yep. you cross the start finish line. <laughs> yep. It's, it's interesting. And there's, I, on the time attack side, I know that there's a lot of strategy that's being underutilized, mm-hmm. like how to properly execute a warm-up lap, things like that. Um, in the case of fire laps, uh, how does a driver take the information that is collected? How do you how do you leverage what the the, the software is telling you to do? So like, it, it's probably not text-based instruction like the, maybe the ca- the catalysts tells you to do something right how do you interpret the data especially if you're not like a data nut okay so what you do you got a list of all your laps that you just drove you can click and overlay them onto the map and it'll automatically populate them in a different color and you'll see the little drive line and what will happen is we have this feature that we call internally i guess like the dynamic lap comparison which basically let's say you're comparing a lap that's orange and a lap that's green on the on the map the orange lap will kind of glow, like be highlighted where it is gaining on the green lap and vice versa. So you can actually like just look at a view and be like, okay, orange lap was way quicker through here. And then the My Fire Labs feature, those are like real laps that are in the software that you can interact with just as though you drove them. So you can overlay them and you can say, okay, well, this this My Fire Labs kind of step one I should look at is quicker through here and here. I can overlay them and then I can see, okay, I can carry more speed or I, I've probably done this even in the past, but it wasn't just strung together on my fastest lap. And that's often what you find is that you know, your lap times may be consistent, but it's because you're making different mistakes in different places and you're just not stringing it together perfectly. So, so this is like the lights in the Apex Pro where it's right. like showing you your grip. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. you can look at it and then you can say, okay, well, my fire lap says I can do this and this or theoretically. Um, and so you can just visually just take a step back and look at it. Um, yeah. Well, and as of right now, too, it's all based on what you just did in that one session that you've uploaded. Okay. Um, and so at some point, we, 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 we plan on bringing in uh, some other people's data as well uh, to be able to see, like, okay, here, here's maybe a similar card, a similar track, and let you choose. Um, but in the current, in the, in the current impl- 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 implementation, okay. it just looks at what you just did. Right. Okay. So if you only did 1.4 Gs around one, one turn, it's not going to recommend 1.7. Yeah, okay. So that if you're sense. a very intermediate novice or intermediate driver you go out there let's say you're a barber and you turn a 
155 and you upload your session, it's going to tell you probably how you can get yourself to a 153 based on kind of what you just did. And if you go out there and achieve that 153 and then you upload a session, it's going to tell you, okay, now here's a couple more seconds you can probably find. And it just will kind of scale you in that way. So then how do you set upper limit then? Like, you know, it's not going to just, if you're at 1.7 and that's about all the tire has, like it's not... Will it know that that's all all you can get out of it? Well, it's, it won't. It'll, it knows what you just... You basically set... For, for this feature specifically, you've set the threshold. So if it's... You, if you want to raise the threshold, you put a... You know, you, you put a driving coach in or you put someone Certainly. who's really good. Exactly. And yeah. you collect yeah. that data and now you have a reference point. And that's kind of the, the plan as we really... As Daniel starts building all these machine learning models, you know, we... We know, you know, take, you know, let's take our, our, our buds at the winning formula. These guys are good drivers. They've been to a lot of tracks. Let's say Rob goes to a track that he's never been to, but Emil and Aaron have been to a bunch. And, you know, the, the software knows, okay, you have a lot of parity with these other drivers. At these tracks, your cars have similar amount of grip and rates of acceleration, you know, consistency, all of that. And then so, you know, theoretically, we can say, okay, well, you should be able to be here um, as far as your time because we know that you drive similar to these other hundred people that, that how come do here. You, if that feature is not fully implemented yet, how do you imagine um, the driver um, assigning that, that parity? Or is it, is it rather, you know, here, you've run some laps um, and here's just a few drivers that are, might be similar and that's auto-populated by fire laps? Mm-hmm. Or like... In, in this hypothetical, could Robert say, uh, actually, like, my car is pretty close to Aaron and Emil's. Compare me to those. It'll Let do me... that. Okay. Even now, it'll say, you can say, show me similar laps. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can, or you can say, show me laps within one second of a 136. Oh, And it'll cool. just pull them up. And then you can look at them, like, even right now, and you can be like, okay, well, this is some guy with a 600 horsepower you know, 911, and this is some guy with a 200 horsepower Miata. So these aren't the same, but they ran a similar time. So it's more than just the lap time, but you can actually look at like similar laps that have sure. like similar metrics that kind of and make similar sense. weather conditions too. As sure. yeah, the, the weather laps that pulls in. You know, if it's a rainy day or a hot day, and, and I would imagine the um, the real opportunity for this is that uh, a lot of this data is not necessarily like user populated even though it could be user submitted right like you're not depending on what the user says the weather is and the temperature was and and whatever it's like all of this is basically metadata associated with the lap so that you can on the back end and a clean and structured way begin to start feeding the models exactly yeah i think that's a good way to explain it um to shift gears a little bit you had asked what are the couple of couple of things we talked about my fire laps the other thing that i think relates to this conversation and about you know the the kind of the barrier to entry on this and some people saying oh this software is easy to use or hard to use what we implemented which i really like and i would encourage any listeners who are into this kind of thing to check out is what we what we implemented if you go to our homepage now you will see two things you will see a public upload button a couple couple different places where you can just be any joe schmo off the street without an account and you can you got some files on your computer you can drag and drop them you're gonna get an email with a with a link to the analysis on those files and that's kind of like our initial kind of trial that we set up so if you just are curious and you just aren't sure 
if you know this is easy to use or hard to use or whatever. You can just be like, okay, well, I got these AIM files here from last summer. Let me just plop them in here, and then boom, you have it, and you can view it all without going through really about anything. So we've like really lowered the barrier to entry just for people to kind of like see it and play with it. Um, and then what also what else we did is we now have a live demo on the site, which I think is really huge. Um, it's actually um, some some laps from this very track from our our good friend Andrew. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but now right at the top of the screen, you can click live demo, and the, you'll get a nice little guided tour across the the analysis page on where you know where things are and where what annotations you can overlay and how to find things and there's a lot more to it than even what we just talked about and it'll kind of take you around and then you've got a session so even if you don't have data handy here's a session with a good driver and you can go ahead and look and see what is uh you know what that looks like to interact with data in this way even if you don't have any of your own handy so, so i think that's a big big i'm going to ask a question us. that i think i already know the answer to <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it's probable that not everybody has a 10 or 20 hertz GPS mm-hmm. unit uh, that goes in their car mm-hmm. that still might be interested in this as an idea. Um, how useful, in your opinion, is it to get one hertz GPS data from your phone? It, is it better than nothing, or is it just so for, not resolute that you can't do it? I mean, a lap, and that's it's maybe okay. about Okay, yeah, exactly. It's a uh, so. And I just learned learned this this weekend, but 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 there's many there there's many different w- ways to collect G- GPS data on phones. Um, so there's a higher a higher fidelity measurement, okay. Okay. and there's some s- some lower setting modes too. Okay. Uh, and so it depends. Um, but like the uh, vanilla way that you'd collect G- GPS data, like with Google Maps, is not going to be nearly good enough. enough. Um, but I mean, there are. I'm optimistic that there are still ways to be able to get at that data, and that's an area that we're we're actively researching. Okay, and that it'd be awesome to be able to come up to 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 come up with that. But in any case, still using a 10 hertz or a 20 hertz uh, collector is going to be it's a lot better. Always anyway, better. Always, yeah. Um, We've played with some things on that. And so I, I want to make sure that I, you know, we talk fully about how to describe the product. Uh, the The product for Firelabs at this point is a web application. Uh, exclusively, like yep. it, you go to the website. You can interact with your data in this way. Yep. And uh, when you pay for a premium service, uh, what are the premium things that you get? You get yeah, for ninety nine bucks a year or uh, fifteen dollars a month. We would really try to steer people to the yearly, just because it's a seasonal sport. And do you really want to be, you know, adding your subscription and taking it away? It's just kind of priced to say, hey, just just jump on board. You always have access to everything. Um, but it really gives you all of the features we just discussed. You can do an unlimited amount of analysis. Um, you have access to all the comparison grid that we talked about that Scott's been using. Um, you have access to the My Fire Laps on every session. You've got access to the groups. Jeez, um, there's so much stuff. You can you can export um, you can export an email. Like you can have a, a nice visualization of a sector that you've defined, and you can actually get a screenshot of that. Like and then email it to, or post it on Facebook, and anybody without an account. And like click and view all of that um, and see what you're talking about. Um, there's just so many. You just honestly, it, that's kind of why we set up the the, the live demo. Just yeah. go check it out and you'll see all of that. You basically have unlimited access to. And then I'll just add that what that subscription does is help us continue to do cool things for all of you um, and continue to fund this development, all this machine learning, and all this coaching we uh, have in the pipeline. So. So um, as on the project rollout side, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
building something from scratch is always challenging. Yep. Um, you've been live for six or seven months mm-hmm. now, uh, and you talked about rolling out this this machine learning capability. Do you have timetables on when that would be like? When are you targeting that to be ready? That's a tough one, and it really. Or like, what what are the technical hurdles that might need to be solved in order to do it? So, the more data we have, the better. That's the biggest, I would say, the biggest hurdle. And I can't speak too much about it, but we are working on a strategic partnership or two um, with some other fine folks in this industry. And um, if and when, really when that all kind of gets wrapped up, we will have access to even more data to the tune of hundreds of thousands of additional laps that will really push forward the um, the machine learning side of that. Because the models that Daniel has to build are just going to take time sure. to run and to learn. And so, you know, we continue to build data, uh, a data set, and we can keep doing things with that. But if we can accelerate that process in 2023, we're going to see uh, some of these new features, like, much, much sooner. So that's kind of... Uh, it's all kind of contingent on some of those things, but that's the big, uh, the big push for 2023 is to do what we really set out to do, which is that. I mean, everything we've done up to this point is like laying groundwork. Sure. I mean, honestly, Daniel's background is not in building anything that he's already built, and it's incredible. And he's just done this, and now he's got the, the sandbox to play in with this, and he can start you know, doing all the machine learning. Well, that's very cool. Uh, can you mention the website again? Yes, it is firelaps.com. Well, um, I already have a subscription, and I just tinker with it. So, yeah, and so uh, do I. <laughs> um, we appreciate well, you guys. We're super excited to uh, see this develop because it, in my opinion, is an unmet need in the market. Mm-hmm. And I think you you touched on that already. Uh, I see people have data collection devices that are underutilized often because they don't know how to get the most out of the software. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, simplifying the whole process through this system seems like an obvious solution to a problem. Yeah. And the net benefit is that every driver goes faster. Yeah. And then you have people with all different types of devices being able to interact with their data, um, which has not really been much of a thing. So, Well, I I look forward to seeing your uh, continued development and success. Thank you. Uh, And I wish you guys safe travels back to Chicago. Excellent. Thank Thank you you so much, guys. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. Hello.